Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show, a NBA Grizzlies podcast brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network and Nothing But Nets Dash Radio. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those fun places. Right now, we're streaming live on Periscope and YouTube, so I get to look at Mason and his awesome Tony Allen poster. So you guys should uh, follow the underscore Barnburner on Twitter. And next time we go live, Set it up, get a notification, check us out, leave us some comments, interact with us. You know, make this thing pretty fun. So I'm Zach. I'm here with Mason. How are you doing, man? Man, what a week in Memphis sports. Uh, we had Mike Conley's return to the Grindhouse, which was accompanied by Tony Allen's return uh, as a fan. And you can see Tony in my in my background here. There we go, right there. there go. It's like a green screen for <laughs> yeah. Weatherman. <laughs> um, Memphis football won, moved to 9-1, and one, beat Houston. Always a fun thing to do. Two more games left. Hopefully we'll be uh, going to the Cotton Bowl at the end of December. Uh, and then Memphis Tigers basketball, uh, even though they had the tough loss to Oregon, um, showed some promising signs and then bounced back by uh, drilling poor Alcorn State on Saturday. Oh, yeah. And our Grizzlies had a three-game winning streak led by Ja Morant, the front-runner for Rookie of the Year. So a good week all in all for Memphis sports. Yeah, there's a lot lot to be excited about. The Oregon loss for the Tigers was kind of a bummer, but we, we can't get that greedy. I mean, we can be that greedy, but I don't. That, we're still getting a lot. So that, that's yeah. a, And I think we've got many happy days ahead of us. 
Yeah, so uh, now we we just got to await the appeal of James Wiseman, see how many games the NCAA is going to give him. Uh, hopefully, you know, it, it'll only be three, five games, something like that. Uh, and he'll get back on the court in time to play uh, at Thompson Bowling Arena when we beat the hell out of Tennessee. Oh, man, that's going to be a tough game. Those guys knocked off uh, Washington this weekend. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's still going to be a tough game, though. Those two teams are just going to get after it, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, we can go ahead and get into the Grizz now. <laughs> All right. Let me get this done. So early in the week, um, had an exciting game against the Spurs. Pulled off. Uh, Tony Parker was having his jersey retirement party at uh, I don't know is, I don't know what their arena's named actually. AT and T. AT and T. Some some big corporate sponsor. <laughs> yeah, AT and T. So the Grizzlies went in and spoiled that. Pulled a dub out of San Antonio, which is never freaking easy to do. Um, just obviously always a well-coached team. They have people like Patty Mills, who's always been a Grizz killer. Uh, you know, he always can go, he can go for 30 against us uh, at any given time, which uh, I'm very surprised that he only had nine points in that game, but uh, that was very fortunate. So what'd you see in that one, Mason? Yeah. I mean, the Spurs were kind of struggling right now. They really couldn't get anything going, but from the onset, we came out feeding Jaron Jackson Jr., um, it we it made it seem like that was something that the coaching staff had emphasized was to get him going in this game against San Antonio. Uh, he finished with 24 points, six boards, five assists, probably his best game of the year to date. Um, he had four threes, played 37 minutes, which is a key because we've been saying all along, if he can stay on the court, he's going to be productive, um, which, you know, throughout the week we saw some really good Jaron and we saw some mediocre Jaron. But in this game, in San Antonio in particular, he was uh, playing with Tyus Jones a lot more, it seems like. Uh, he's kind of staying in with that second unit, which is something that I've noticed throughout the week, um, which we noticed when Josh set out, Tyus fed Jaron and really got him going um, for his first good game of the season. But uh, Brandon Clark, another one, he's impressive. 14, 14 and 8 on a ever-so-efficient 6 of 7 shooting, which is <laughs> turning out to be a bad night for BC. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime it doesn't hit the, find the bottom of the net, man, I'm surprised. Yeah, I know. And he came into this game in San Antonio, and he immediately hit a 3. And then on the very next possession, he was in the low post on the opposite side of the ball. And he noticed his man was helping on whoever was posting up. So he flashed right to the high post, was wide open, knocked down his pat- patented mid-range jumper. And, uh, man, he's just been a pleasure to watch. Like, Brandon Clark is definitely the steal of the draft so far. And at some point, you feel like he's got to come crashing back down to earth because his efficiency has just been outrageous so far uh, this season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into some of his efficiency later, uh, but – yeah, every good team that is winning needs a guy like him on your team who can do anything, guard multiple positions. He's he, the one thing that for sure will come back down to normal is his three point percentage. That's like astronomically high right now. Granted, he's taking like I feel like he's taking good shots. That has a lot to do with it. When you got uh, like Dylan, for example, out there, or like Crowder, who just shooting it. You know, every time they get the ball, they're looking to shoot it, whether 
they're like 20% open or so, but they're going to let it fly. Whereas Brandon is not going to shoot that ball unless he has a, he knows in his mind that he has a super high percent chance of getting it in. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in this game, Dylan had 21. Jonas Valanciunas had 18 and 12. He really came on this week strong. Um, is starting to consistently be that double-double threat that he's been throughout his career. Um, so overall, just a good win in San Antonio and going down there and ruining Tony Parker's jersey retirement. Uh, you know, It's only fitting because he seems like he took the soul out of Memphis fans time after time when he was playing for the Spurs. So glad we could finally ruin something for old Tony. Tony and uh, Coach Tim Duncan. That's still that's funky. <laughs> Did. I don't remember him having uh, – he's got, like, fancy hair now. I don't remember him having that when he was playing, did he? No, he definitely didn't have that when he was playing. He just had, like, a shaved head, I thought. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he didn't have a shaved head, but he had – he didn't have the twist in his head. Okay. I just <laughs> maybe sure maybe it's like a something. midlife crisis or something, you know? Like, <laughs> he's missing the game, so he's growing his hair out. Is he wearing fitted suits now? That would be, like, another sign of him. I don't feel like he's really wearing suits. I, but I can't remember. I know he he was the head coach last night when Pop got ejected. So, uh, wow. yeah. Wow. Already the head coach. Yeah. Good job for him. Um, but in, another thing in this game against the Spurs was Jaron had 11 uh, field goal attempts inside the arc. So he wasn't just sitting out there shooting threes, bombs away. He was actually getting some shots in the low post, mid post, taking defenders off the dribble which was encouraging to see and led to him having the aforementioned 24 points. Yeah, that's definitely something that we that did not continue the rest of the week. No. And I know that was really getting you upset pretty much the rest of the week via text message. You're shouting for Jaron to get the ball. If only Jock could hear you. Hey, somebody, somebody listen to me. Because <laughs> it ain't Jay Crowder, I can tell you that. <laughs> Okay, so surprise, um, surprise. So I looked up um, who has the most assists to Jaron, like who's passed him the ball the most, and he scored buckets off of it. Mm-hmm. Jay is actually top. Jay and Moran are tied. Hmm. I thought that was surprising. That is, yeah, yeah. And but, then Tyus I mean, I guess was right under him. He's probably played the most minutes with those guys, um, mm-hmm. with Jay and Ja. Uh, and probably even Jay more so than Ja, but uh, so that makes sense, yeah. But I, I was I was really hoping that it'd be from the eye test. It would say that Ja is not giving him the ball enough, and I would expect the point guard to have more assists to him. So that kind of the fact that he had the same amount as one of the wing players kind of made sense to me. Yeah, and I mean. Hopefully that's just something that continues to develop over time. Like we said, we're not seeing a lot of the Ja and Jaron pick and roll. And it just seems like they're kind of so stuck in trying to run this offense that they're afraid to break off of it and let their natural basketball talents and abilities take over. They're just kind of trying to think through the system and, okay, I did this, now I'm supposed to do this. So with time, um, I believe that Ja and Jaron will be the dynamic duo that we've wished for. But right now, obviously, it's it's uh, it's taking a little bit longer than we would like to see them to yeah. develop that chemistry on the court. But I still think there's there's plenty of time. We've got uh, what sixty something games left in this season, so 
Yeah, we're but, just uh, like 10% through or something. Yeah, but after San Antonio, the boys went on the road to Charlotte or stayed on the road to Charlotte and uh, jumped out to a big start, 9-0. Um, in this game, Ja had his first career double-double. Uh, it was just kind of back and forth shootout between two pretty mediocre teams. <laughs> it was kind of my take on this game. Yeah, pretty much. It was uh... – so obviously, if we fast forward to the end, I think everyone knows that by this point that Jaw had the game-winning shot. Um, it was a layup, very contested layup with one of the Martin brothers uh, right there and another guy, I forget who it was, uh, Zeller. And he somehow feeds the ball right between both of them, spins it off the backboard, hoops it in. And I th- that was just so encouraging to me because I feel like so many times – over the course of the year, we don't know who the guy that's going to get the bucket is. It's been Mike, you know, kind of, but it seems like he wasn't always wanting a hundred percent to take that. He'd be perfectly fine driving, kicking out to someone to hit that shot. That would make him perfectly happy. Whereas job ja wants that bucket. He wants the ball a hundred percent with the game on the line. And he took it in there and made it in what his ninth game in the NBA. I was, that was just so exciting. I had to be so hype after that game. Yeah, and an incredible photo to go with, along with the moment of him, you know, in between three Hornets defenders laying it up. Uh, and, I mean, he got he got like such a soft bounce off the rim. It seemed like if anyone else laid that ball up, it would have bounced right off. But it was him, and it was it was his night. He had that uh, – he had the move where he went behind the back to split the pick and roll and then got the and one on Cody Zeller. That was he was just like time after time you're just like damn like that's job ja Morant and uh, once he hit the game winner he walked over to to his dad and he said I, I do this this is what the fuck I do uh, and so far man he really is he's got that superstar uh, mentality like you said he wants to take the big shot as we as we saw later in the week when he almost lost us the game against Utah because he just floated one up for Rudy Gobert to swap back to half court. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, he had a great game. He had 23 and 11. He was 10 of 15 from the field. He He's getting to the rim whenever he wants. He's still learning how to finish at the rim. But uh, against a team like Charlotte, he, he can have his way with them. Just a really fun game. Again, Jonas Valanciunas had 18 and 13. Um, Jaron, we, we saw him, he had 16 and six, uh, and he had just nine attempts from the field. So coming off that San Antonio game, I was hoping to see Jaron continue to build, but he was more of just an afterthought. And in my game notes, I, I wrote, Jaron has Terry Rozier on him. Dylan forces a dumbass floater. <laughs> so I think maybe that concerted effort to get, get him the ball kind of stayed in San Antonio. And one really outlier that happened that game was a Marco. Marco Guderic had 11 points in the third quarter, I believe. Yeah. The game, he was four or six from behind the arc, and he had 17 points. Pretty much an outlier, though. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we haven't seen that since then. And when after this game happened, I thought to myself, uh, maybe I've been too hard on Marco one um, because I feel like I haven't been grading him as I've been grading other rookies. 
I've been wanting to give Jaron this long leash and, you know, give him 20 games is what I keep saying. And then with Marco, I'm like, damn, this dude's trash. Uh, and, then, and then he has a game like that to remind me that he is just a rookie in the NBA and he's going to have good moments and bad moments. And uh, we need to give him more time to see how he's going to be, much like with Dylan Brooks. Uh, to start the season, he he was cold, and we kind of bashed him. Oh yeah! Even though he's this is really his second NBA season. Last year, he of course got hurt and missed most of the year. Played all eighty-two games his rookie year, but still his second season of NBA game time. So, just a reminder that we got to be patient, even with those guys who we think are a little bit older. Um, and they both shown flashes of flat. Dylan showing flashes of being a really good rotational player on a playoff team and Marco showing flashes of, you know, getting more opportunities. (laughs) The thing for, yeah, the thing for Dylan is just, he needs to be put in the situation for him to succeed. Meaning he doesn't need to be, and it's also his own doing is not driving the ball when it's unnecessary. If you don't have the shot, don't take the shot. Don't force the shot. Let's just, let's keep running the offense. But he, there, he is capable of doing a whole bunch. So, Adil, yeah, Dylan's first two weeks were pretty trash. But since then, I think he's been been one of the better guys on the team, for me at least. Yeah. Um, and then just to kind of close out the Hornets game, Brandon Clark, another 13-6, and six, just <laughs> consistent. Um, In 21 minutes. Right. And then Solomon Hill was a plus 18. Uh, while Jaron Jackson was a minus 14. And then in my game notes for this one, I've got Jaron just three shots inside the arc. So whereas he had 11 in San Antonio, he had just three. And I just don't understand it because the Hornets have – you you can't name someone on the Hornets roster that can guard Jaron Jackson. Maybe Marvin Williams. But that's it. (laughs) It gets ridiculous. Luckily, we got the win. But really – I feel like we we should be a class above the Hornets and we shouldn't be having to get, you know, last second wins, but you take it how you can get it. And it was a great moment for John Morant. Uh, I think something we'll all remember probably for the rest of his career, you know, providing he has a a solid career in Memphis and it doesn't end, you know, (laughs) abruptly. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And then. After the Hornets game, the Grizzlies came home to face the Jazz and Mike Conley's homecoming. Uh, so was at that game. That was pretty awesome. The whole did a video, video montage, tribute video after the first, the first time out in the first quarter. Um, when being introduced, after Mike was introduced, all of his current teammates, they were super happy. They were super hyped. They were hugging him, high-fiving him. You know, it was just, it was just a great atmosphere. It, honestly, it felt like a playoff atmosphere and like, I miss that so much, but it's so much fun just having those, those intense games where you feel like it means something the whole game. Yeah. And I mean that whole, whole day leading up to the game, you had the Chris Harrington article about Mike and Ja like taking over. Um, Then you had Mike and Tony on Chris Vernon's show, which it was just all in the fields, man. Like, it was like it's hard to believe that Mike Conley was really not on the team anymore. But um, he came in there and got that ass whooped just like uh, we would try, we would do to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and he struggled. He was five of fifteen. You could tell he was kind of emotionally overwhelmed. 
um, throughout the day, even the day before, everyone was like, well, are you going to cry? And he's like, I, I don't know. Like, I really don't know how I'm going to feel um, when the moment happens. So uh, another fun game. You were there. What were your takeaways? So from that one, um, so Gudurik actually, he had a tough assignment. So Donovan Mitchell had 29 points, and Gudurik was guarding him, but that's obviously one of the better players on their team. So that was that was kind of tough for him. Gobert is a confusing person. I was so I'm sitting with Sam, and we're just talking, and it a lot of times it doesn't seem like he's doing that much, but then you look up, the man's got 23 and then 17 rebounds and five blocks, but it doesn't feel like he's consistently impacting the game, but. Like I get the rebounds and everything. Yes, they're just coming right to him because like his arms. I, I need to look up what his wingspan is. It's crazy because he. I'm pretty sure he can like touch the top of the square without jumping, and that's where most of his advantage comes from. Um, let's see what else. Yeah, Mike was a little juiced up. I think he wasn't. He wasn't hitting from deep. He was two of eight from deep. Uh, a lot of his shots were long and short. He was having a really hard time. Uh, finding his range Dylan so Dylan Kyle they both had really good games Kyle put on a shooting clinic in one quarter he only had, <laughs> I don't he had know. one I don't three know if we can ever call anything Kyle Anderson does a shooting clinic <laughs> well it, it I don't know if you want to copy his form necessarily but he was he was draining in that quarter he only had one three in the game but it sure seemed like a lot more because he was obviously shooting mid-range twos way too much but he was six and nine from the field and in 22 minutes at 13.7 rebounds so solid game by kyle uh Jonas was 10 and 8 he was a plus 10 he he was very critical uh being in there with gobert when jaron was in there with gobert he just couldn't jaron really struggled the whole game in the post i don't i don't have the numbers for how many times he got the ball in the post I wasn't looking specifically at that, but it couldn't have been very much. Uh, and he he just really struggled. He was only he was four thirteen. He took six threes, so half his shots were threes, and he didn't make any of them. So he ended the game fouling out nine points and seven rebounds. So he did kind of struggle with the physicalness of Gobert, O'Neal, even Bogdanovich a little bit. And so that was kind of concerning. Yeah, um, but Ja Morant had 25, and he had some freaking highlight plays. Yeah. Uh, the first one was the behind-the-back move on Moutier, uh, where he, he just went behind his back and then didn't take the additional step and filleted fill- off the backboard. Um, then he had the one where he got the rebound, like he was fighting for the rebound and took – two dribbles and just jammed it. Uh, and then he had the, uh, he had a couple of other big plays. The one where he told Moutier that he was too small, the big bucket uh, to put the Grizzlies up. That was a nice one. And then like he, the camera gets him and he's like, just saying he's too little. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like for his, the first, we didn't even mention that was an ESPN game. His first nationally tele- televised game of his career. And, he finished with 25 and 8 and his team won against uh you know probably a top 4 seed uh in the Western Conference. 
Yeah, it was one of those games where offensively, it seemed like the Grizz put a lot. It don't, only 107 points, but you had a lot of guys contributing in this game um, with one, two, three, four, five, four, six guys in double figures. I mean, that's that's pretty spread out scoring. Uh, only giving up 106 points. I, that was just a really good game. Everything kind of came together. We also didn't mention the uh, John Morant alley-oop that he received. Oh. He didn't throw. I think it's Crowder threw it from uh, about the the wing and outside of the three-point line, throws it up. You can see Morant. You can see not Morant's eyes so much, but Crowder's eyes were getting like his biggest saucers as he saw Morant <laughs> creeping from the baseline towards the goal. Throws it up to him. Goes up, two-hand, yams it. And Jaron, like, what's funny is that Jaron was standing under the goal and, like, kind of went up and got one hand on it. But Ja was the one that went up and dunked the ball. Yeah, I mean, Which, that, was, that was a nice highlight play for sure. And <laughs> as they go back down the court, they're just kind of smiling at each other. And Jaron's like, damn, man, why'd you have to dunk on me like that? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a goofy play pretty much. Yeah. It was enjoyable. Yeah, so... uh the three wins in a row, we call that a winning streak. Uh, if you would have asked me how many three-game winning streaks I thought this version of the Grizzlies would have, I probably would have answered zero. <laughs> I said, yeah, absolutely, I would have said zero. Especially Looking at the not, schedule, yeah, seeing the Spurs and yeah. the, the Jazz on either side of that winning streak, no way would I have called that. Yeah, two on the road and the Jazz at home, that's impressive, and those are the type of stretches you're looking for in a season like this um just so the guys learn how to win those games learn how to close those games learn how to believe in themselves and their teammates um in those waning moments when you need a critical play um and learning how to get stops uh we saw it in utah with solomon hill um donovan mitchell had a a last second shot attempt solomon hill poked it away maybe he fouled it Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a ref. Uh, I don't know. You know, it, I guess uh, decent minds can disagree. Did they put out a two-minute report? I think they said the call was correct. Okay. Um, so it was so. correct then. If the if New York, if the caucus <laughs> looked at it, it's good. Yeah, I mean, who are we to disagree with that call? So <laughs> They're the professionals, right? Yeah, but we definitely got away with one there. Donovan was... You know, doing whatever he wanted to that against us for the most part, but three and three wins in a row. And let's let's just before we talk about Sunday's game because it was we got mollywopped by the Nuggets and it ended the winning streak. Is there anything from the winning streak that sticks out to you? Yeah, I got a couple notes. So for this season, the Grizzlies overall are shooting forty six percent during the winning streak. They're at almost at fifty percent. So they bumped that up a few points. Uh, from three, they were, for the season shooting, we are shooting 33% on 30 attempts. During that stretch, 39% on 33 attempts. So not only a few more attempts, but six points higher. So that's obviously, that's a pretty big jump. And I think all these games were, um, I think the highest margin was two points, something like that. So every every little point counted and we were also scoring four more points than our average yeah yeah. so it really it just has to do with tightening up a little bit on defense and then just being slightly more efficient on offense now 
Um, here's kind of something interesting. During that time, our net rating is, was 1.6. And the bull, and that was like middling, middle of the pack, not super great, not super bad. Uh, for point of reference, the Bulls had, so that was when we went 3-0. and The Bulls had a 0.6 net rating, and they went 1-2. and So really, it's pretty awesome to win those three games, but also we are a bounce or two away from not winning those games. So we do need to appreciate that. It's not like we handily won them. Do want to keep a reality check of like we hung in those games. I think that's the most important thing. And we made some clutch plays down the line, but by no means did we like dominate in those games. Yeah. And I mean, realistically, Utah and San Antonio both played complete stinker games. Uh, And then the other one was the Hornets who have, they do possibly think. the worst <laughs> roster in the league. So <laughs> uh, we do have to take that into account. But just to continue your, your tirade on stats, uh, during that win streak, you mentioned the three-point attempts. We were 16th in the league in three-point attempts, but we were eighth in three-point percentage. So we were making the most of those uh, shots, and we were taking good shots. We were fourth in catch-and-shoot points in the NBA throughout the three-game winning streak. We were third in field goal percentage. So we were really just getting good shots and making the shots that we were taking. We were fifth in assist um, throughout the win streak, 11th in pace. So we weren't playing at that lightning fast pace we were to start the season. We kind of have learned where to pick and choose our spots. Um, And I think that's leading to, you know, us staying in the games and not getting blown out because we're not just – jacking up a shot and then the other teams getting the rebound and getting the layup. Um, so really just some interesting numbers, you not doing a whole lot different, but just probably being more selective uh, in the threes that we are taking. We mentioned getting Jaron more involved in the San Antonio game. We've seen JV be, become more involved offensively um, and just not at that frenetic pace that we saw the, the first couple weeks of the season. One thing that, is alarming is during the win streak we were 29th in free throw attempts so um, with all the pace and space you would think we would be getting to the line more and Ja he's not gotten a few calls but for the most part I thought he's gotten a pretty pretty fair whistle Um, anything else during the win streak that stuck out to you I mean Ja averaged 19 and 7 and only two turnovers so those those are yeah, he, pretty damn good numbers. He's really scaled back on the on the turnovers. I think that is definitely a big deal because that's points that we're just giving back. Yeah, um, and, and I a couple of the games we really capitalized on other teams' turnovers. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't look up specifically uh, points off turnovers, but I think that had a big um, had a lot to do with our efficiency during those games. Yeah, and just a couple other numbers. Jaron uh, averaged 32 minutes per game during the win streak, uh, the most on the team, which is a good thing to see. Ja was, ja was at 28, um, so Jaron was averaging 16 points, six boards, shooting 44% from three. Um, so while he hasn't been as good as we had hoped, he is you know, being a pretty solid NBA player. Um, right. And then Brandon Clark in just 19 minutes, Average twelve and six in those three games, and he shot seventy five percent from three, and like he, he maybe missed like one or two shots. Like it's ridiculous. 
Yeah, that guy's uh, Brandon Clark is something else. Um, let's go into that's a good segue into our studs and duds for the week. You want to go first? I'll let you uh, take the reins on this one. Yeah, I think I got to go John Morant uh, with the game winner, the big plays against Utah, um, really just going toe-to-toe with Mike Conley and saying thank you for the franchise. <laughs> now have fun in Utah. Um, so I'm going to give that to John Morant, first nationally televised game, averaged 19 points and seven assists throughout the week. Um, just really big moments for him to lead us to those three wins, and I think he was the clear leader of the team. Uh, in two of those games, of course, in San Antonio, he got benched for Tyus Jones down the stretch, but I thought he really bounced back from that with two elite performances. All right, so for me, I had I ch- had to choose between Jonas and BC. Since we were just talking about BC, I'll elect him, and I'll pile on some more good numbers. So I looked for the whole week. NBA had their stats updated through tonight's game, which... He's about the only one where that benefited him. Yeah. Uh, but he, he was 14 points, 5.8 rebounds this week in only 20 minutes per game. Guess what? For the week in the four games, what he shot from the field? Uh, like 92%. <laughs> Close. He shot 80% from the field, <laughs> 83% from three Damn. for the week. Because he was 8 of 8 uh, tonight. He did not miss tonight versus the Nuggets. Right. He, he, so before tonight uh, for the season, he was shooting, he's shooting 70% at the rim on 34 attempts and 70% on 10 to 16 foot shots on 20 attempts. So the same, he's shooting the same exact percent at the actual rim. And then that's not, not even, you know, and then uh, I think it's broken down five to 10 feet or five. Yeah. Five to 10. He's not shooting as well as he has from 10 to 16. He's shooting 63% on quote jump shots on 51 attempts. <laughs> and oddly enough, 51% on what's considered a layup on 27 <laughs> attempts. So his jump shot, which I have to assume is mostly one handed, uh, the one handed jump shot that he's patenting right now. He's shooting those better than his layups at the rim. Uh, And also from cleaning glass, he is in the 93rd percentile for points per 100 shot attempts. I think for efficiency, there's your number right there. 93rd percentile. So there's only a few people in the league that are scoring more points per per 100 shot attempts than him. That's incredible. I just hope the regression isn't like he doesn't hit a shot for a month. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about your dud of the week? All right. So last week, this man was my stud. This week, he was my dud. (laughs) Jay Crowder, uh, he played 30 plus minutes every game this week. Only averaged seven points and seven rebounds. Uh, Had a real stinker at Charlotte. Three points in 31 minutes. Uh, one from one of five from the field. So for the week, he was a negative six point five. So really, he he played really well last week. Was hitting a lot of those three point shots that he's freely shooting. This week, not so much. But fortunately, Dylan and some of the other guys were able to step up and play above what they've been playing. Uh, and and Jay just kind of has he had a tough week this week. 
He did. And another guy that I thought had a tough week was Tyus Jones. Uh, he seemed to hit some big time floaters in like clutch situations. So I think it kind of masked his play, but he only uh, averaged four, five points a game this week, shot 30% from the field and 10% from three. Uh, he did have five assists per game. So, you know, he, he wasn't terrible like most of the other backup point guards we've had throughout the year, but he, I thought he just could have been better. And uh, luckily he did make some of those clutch shots, shots to mask what I thought was a bad week for him. But to me, he kind of took a step back this week. Yeah, he played well in the one game uh, in San Antonio and the others not so much. So I agree with you there. But, I mean, it really wasn't a lot of people to choose from. Like, you know, I could have chose Jaron. He had a down week, but he also had a great week by the standards we were measuring him against. So, yeah, it uh, wasn't a lot of people to choose from. So, not that Tyus was horrible, but he's just – and you chose Jay, who was worse. So <laughs> <laughs> We were talking a second ago about uh, being really low uh, amongst the league in free throw attempts. So, for the week – Jonas, he's playing – he averaged 25 minutes per game this week, so he's kind of getting up there in minutes. Not you know, not at that 30 mark, but he's over the like 15, 20 that he was for the first few weeks. He only averaged one free throw attempt per game. By my math, that means four free throw attempts in four games. So he's like just not getting to the line. Yeah. He's shooting – he's shooting – he's making – he made – 21 of 22 for the season so far but for the guy who's playing down in the post and getting getting all those boards you would expect a lot more free throw attempts i mean and jaron can't be averaging many more per game like maybe two (laughs) um so yeah when you're starting center and power forward aren't yeah i got the numbers here jaron uh during the winning or during this week 2.3 free throw attempts per game so that's three free throw attempts between your starting four and five yeah. man. And Ja led the team with five attempts per game. Um, you definitely want to see Jaron get into the line more. And you would think Jonas will just as a byproduct of his style of play, but just something that, you know, we're definitely not doing, we're not getting bad whistles. I don't think we're just not forcing referees hand to make calls. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sitting there screaming at my TV time after time. Uh, you know, not it, not more than usual, at least. <laughs> yeah, and and JV is taking, he's being like left open at the top of the key, pretty much. Yeah. So he's not, he is scoring pretty good and pretty efficiently, but he's just shooting really well from three. Also, that doesn't hurt. Yeah, and I mean, he came out tonight and he hit what two threes in the first quarter. Yeah, had a nice dunk. Looked like the Grizz might be able to extend the winning streak to four games, but then uh, Jamal Murray just took over, and I think we got outscored forty-four to seventeen in the second quarter, and that was all she wrote. Um, trailed most of the second half by thirty points or so. Uh, Murray finished with thirty-nine and eight. Paul Millsap had twenty-three. He he looked pretty uh. Spirey, spry, spry. He looks spry. spry. Spry's yeah, good, yeah. Um, not not a lot of highlights from the Grizzly side. Jaron did hit five threes. Most of them came in the third quarter when we were, you know, down, down. thirty points. Yeah. I think we got <laughs> but, down to thirty three or thirty five at one point. 
Yeah, so it was a career high for him behind the arc. He finished with 22 points, and then we mentioned Brandon's uh, 19 points on 8 of 8 shooting. Um, other than that, you know, Ja had 13 and 6 and 4 turnovers. Nothing to uh, write home about there. Um, but we just hope we can bounce back and get ready for next week and try to win a couple games and stay in some games, try not to get blown out. <laughs> yeah, uh, like we did this week, you hang around, you can get lucky a couple times. Yeah, because, I mean, teams aren't going to be sitting around preparing for us heavily. Um, you know, a, not a lot of the the, the semi-good teams, at least. They're just going to take us lightly. It does look like teams are getting more tape on Ja Morant, figuring that he likes to go left. Um, just kind of – he's going to have to continue to learn what opposing defenses are doing to stop him. We've seen him step back and shoot the three when they go under now, and he's been pretty efficient uh, shooting the three so far. Not, we can't complain yeah. about that. What's he shooting? I feel like he's shooting like 40%. Uh, yeah, 41% from three for Ja Morant so far this season. And, uh, yeah. you know, the game – he's played, what, 11 games now? So, And they're not all like, oh, I'm totally wide open at the top of the key. I'm going to shoot this. A lot of them have been off the dribble, you know, pulling up on – in transition they've been not just super standard threes too he's also like making some things happen i mean this dude is a fucking dog like (laughs) he is an elite level scorer with uh the mamba mentality already and he wants to take take like take your heart out like he didn't care that it was mike conley's homecoming like he had (laughs) respect for it but he just went right at mike conley from the jump of that game and it's really exciting to know that we're going to get to cheer for him for years to come. And Jaron, too, like we saw last year the game against Brooklyn when he scored 30-something. Like we've seen him be able to turn it on. So that's why we got to be patient uh, when they have nights like this for Ja. Um, and, you know, Jaron, unfortunately, has had more nights like this recently. But in due time, they're both going to have a big game and we're going to be like, that's, that's that's who we drafted. Yeah. That's it. Like they're going to combine and score like seventy five points or something. We're going to be like, holy shit! <laughs> I'm ready for that game. It'll be against. Uh, I don't know who's real bad besides. Well, we already played Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, we already the played. Knicks. Maybe it'll happen against the Knicks. Hey, yeah, we'll do it to Fizdale <laughs> if he's still there. Uh, dude, the Knicks are. I mean. First, what did they expect when they signed 17 power forwards? <laughs> like, did you expect <laughs> to win games? Like, like, yeah, we got Bobby Portis, Julius Randle, Marcus Morris. <laughs> like, they all play the same position. Uh, but, yeah, uh, anything else around the league that's caught your eye? I think that's pretty much all the Grizz talk we have, unless you got some other stuff. No, cover, that covers it for the Grizz. Uh, one thing I do want to hit on, um, and I, I researched this, I was wondering how many bigs have had good games against us. And the only ones I could remember were Anthony Davis, who like went ham on like 38 and 20 something. Yeah. Uh, Baines from Phoenix. He had a good game, but most of his were from beyond the arc. I feel like I think he hit four threes that game. He's done that to a lot of people, though. Yeah. Yeah. He had a good season. Like he is turning into a. Like the Ringer website, like he is turning into like a Ringer player. I feel yeah. like, and like he's getting that cult of, of mm-hmm. that cult following. Um, Carl Anthony Towns had twenty five on us, pretty solid night. Even though we beat Minnesota, 
Uh, Vucevic and Jonathan Isaac for the Magic had 23 and 22. And I was researching that because we keep talking about our pick and roll defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I wish Sam was here because he gets just as irritated about it as I do, <laughs> where we do that drop coverage. So when the guard comes off the pick, our big man just backs up behind the goal and guards have a field day. And I mean, that was when we had played 11 games and there were four solid performances from the bigs on the opposing team. So I, I'm just interested to see if we're going to continue to play that drop drop coverage because for the most part this year it's been point guards or scoring mm-hmm. guards who have just been lighting us up. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely been starting back at the Chicago game when Kobe White had a ton of points. Kobe White and Zach Levine. They Levine, single, yeah. they, The two of them beat us. Uh, and, and most of those guys that you just mentioned, those are all-stars. Right, like, yeah, like so AD is supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah, AD, Cat, and Vucevic; those are all stars. Right. So, I mean, that's not that's not like a knock to our big men. I, I think I'd like to research this a little bit more, but that JV does he does a lot of good when defending bigs, like one on one with them. He I, his main problem is when the guards come in; he's not a rim protector in that manner. Yeah, and you like know, he doesn't. I, he's not. He doesn't have the wingspan, the positioning. I think that's what's off. He sits back too far. He doesn't step up to meet the ball at all, and because I think he's too afraid of that dump pass off to the big man. So a lot of times the guys can just get right up on the rim and hit a little floater right over the top of him. I think that is kind of where he gets a little reputation for not being as great on defense. Yeah, and I think there was a Reddit user from the Raptors last year. Uh, when we posted an article or one of our episodes that we did saying like JV's not a great defender. And he said, no, basically what you just said, like one-on-one he's great, but uh, just he's the scheme needs to maybe be yeah. more structured towards to fit his weaknesses or something like that. But it's him and Jaron. We're seeing both of them drop. Um, so you got to help the helper like Tony used to do. We used to make it work with Zebo, man. Anybody can play defense if, if your team is on a string and willing to, you know, move and help enough. So just a matter of will. And tonight the Grizzlies didn't have that will against the Nuggets. Nah, they're pretty gassed. Yeah. Uh, anything else in the NBA? Paul George is back and can't stop scoring. <laughs> like, I think he's he's – it's scoring at a ridiculous clip. He's played two games and is averaging like 30 points a game already. Uh, hasn't played yet with Kawhi, so still waiting on that. The Lakers are still in first place. Portland's kind of sucking. The Warriors, <laughs> the Warriors keep having guys get injured. Yeah. So uh, On the broadcast tonight, someone, Pete and Brevin were talking about, someone from the Warriors is like, I can't believe so many guys are getting injured. Like, When does this ever happen? Like, yeah, we definitely two years in our two out of three years, uh, we had 28 different players on our roster. So we've definitely had that happen literally to us. Yeah. Uh, Warriors <laughs> fans ain't getting no sympathy from Grizz Nation. Get out like, of here. We have been through it. We had 28 players. Uh, Jordan Farmar started a playoff <laughs> game for us. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, and it was like, well, we were like happy to have Andrew Harrison playing <laughs> at that time. So, uh, forgot about that guy. Yeah, I hope he's doing well, man. He, he, he did have some nice blocks for us. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
He he caused a lot of conversation on this very podcast. He did, and uh, <laughs> on Grizzlies Twitter in general. So, hope he's doing well, man. Me too. Um, yeah, you know the rest of the NBA. James Harden still sco- like can't stop scoring either. Uh, anybody on your fantasy team that you've been surprised about that you're happy you drafted? Uh, honestly, I haven't been paying. I haven't been paying the due diligence to that that I need to be. So because I've. I think in the two leagues and every we've had three weeks, I think I've lost six times. So I got Sheesh, some work man. to do there. <laughs> well, I've been uh, scouting out these uh, Tigers opponents and everything. And it's just uh, taking up some time. Well, you got some quick Tigers nuggets you want to hit us with? Tiger nuggets. Uh, let's see. We got a guy we were in the running for a power forward from West Memphis. He committed to Auburn. Chris Moe. Chris Moe. Mo more. <laughs> um, Dawson Garcia is a, I believe, he's a four-star guy. He's announcing Wednesday where he's going to go, and then really and we're still not just a, waiting. Not a lot of uh, great highlight videos out there for Dawson Garcia from from what I've been able to find on the YouTube. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to say I'm worried, but uh, it's like Jaron and his foul situation. Are you worried or are you not worried? Or does it change every day? Maybe it's like we really won't know until Christmas and Jalen Green what's really going to happen with this class because all the big dogs are filling up their rosters like Duke and Kentucky. They're getting, they're almost full, I think, with Scollies. I mean, we get Jalen Green. You don't really need too much else. No, if you keep most of the team intact this week, but I'm going to, I'll put put some nuggets together and I'll have an article out this week for sure. Uh, we play uh, Arkansas Little Rock this week, and also Ole Miss. Ole Miss is no pushover. So, oh, and the home, the home. Are we playing Little Rock at home? Yes, the homecoming of Preston Laird, who is an well, assistant yeah. coach at Little Rock. Uh, hopefully, we get to see James Wiseman back. Um, Zach had a great preview article before the Alcorn State game that had some statistics in there on the the players' individual stats. Uh, you're wanting some more DJ Jeffries, huh? Yeah, we need more. Damian Ball, DJ Jeffries, that's going to be a big help to us. And Precious needs to shoot free throws better. <laughs> he yeah. shot like 40%. He, he shot, he was 8 of 20 yesterday. Pretty tough. I mean, I haven't seen a lottery pick out of him yet. Mm. So that's going to be interesting development to watch. So the the narrative behind that, oh, does can Penny not develop players or was Precious just actually probably raw as fuck and being identified as a lottery pick as a senior in high school might have been a stretch. <laughs> right. We shall see. He's going to get the opportunity, especially as long as Wiseman's out. So, we'll yeah, find yeah. Out. man, I mean, he was he was taken into the rack. <laughs> so he gets hey, he gets to the line more than the rest, the entire Grizzlies team, pretty much. Yeah, he <laughs> shot more free throws in that game on Saturday than the Grizzlies did in the whole three game winning streak. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Don't fact check us. Uh, next Saturday is a big day in Memphis sports. We'll have Memphis Ole Miss, I believe, is early afternoon. Then Memphis football at South Florida is middle of the afternoon. And then Grizzlies Lakers that evening. So that'll be a good day. Um, that's all I got, man. So I got go check us out. Subscribe uh, to the Barnburner Podcast Network. Check us out the-barnburner.com uh, we got other podcasts we got a college basketball podcast called theater and college hoops 
The guys are dropping episodes every few days on there. Check it out. Um, I think that does it for us. Until next time. Free James Wiseman. I never saw a day of pain and suffering Look at my face, you can tell I seen both of them I stick and move, do my business, get the dough and deal My chronic habit, heavy weed, man in every city My money big, so my airplanes little bitty